Welcome to a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraum. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right, we have plenty to talk about this week. There was a Tesla earnings. There was a lot of uh, new unveilings uh, for for early in the year like that. Uh, we have the new Mac and EV to discuss. Uh, after years of teasing, we finally have all the details. We also had the test drive, obviously, from Seth, but uh, uh, now we have like the, all the specs and uh, and. Uh, do we have? I'm not sure we have pricing, but we'll see about that. Um, and uh, a few more news items to discuss. But before we do that, let me just say a quick thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Upway, a leading online e-bike provider carrying the broadest selection of brand new and certified pre-owned models. Uh, we're going to have a little bit more to say about them on, later on the show. They always have some great deals because of their very cool uh, business model. All right, let's start with the Tesla earnings. So Tesla is by far the biggest electric vehicle only company in the world. And therefore, the earnings are very important because it's uh, kind of a, a, um, a model of how you can be profitable selling all electric vehicles. Even though I know Tesla is not just an automaker and all that. But for, for now, the vast majority of its revenue is driven by its electric vehicle sales. So it's still very much on a financial basis an electric automaker, and though its financial health is very important uh, for the industry and to show that um, other automakers, they can... I mean, it doesn't necessarily show other, like, legacy automakers that they can transition to electric vehicles because it's... Being an all-electric car company from the ground up is different than transitioning a major car company that sells ICE vehicles into EVs. But at least it shows that if they can manage into a transition, they can be a profitable ultra vehicle company. And it's also a good model for EV startups out there like Rivian, Lucid, Fiskars, and name it. All right. So in terms of the earnings, uh, the expectation from Wall Street was $25.6 billion in revenue and uh, $0.73 cents per share. Tesla actually delivered on a $0.73 cent per share. That's a non-gap. Uh, Tesla ended up Missing the guidance, but missing the expectation, sorry, by a little bit at uh, 71 share uh, uh, cents per share and 25.1 billion instead of six, about 500, uh, half a billion dollar off on revenue. So a decent um, miss, slight miss. It's no biggie. Uh, but the um, the actual gap earnings was like super high, but that was because of an accounting change that happened at uh Ended up giving this an actual two dollars and twenty seven cent per share, but we use this. We always use the non gap because that's what most of the industry, uh, most of the analysts use in terms of prediction because it's more representative of Tesla's business, really. Um, so still a marginally profitable company, but uh, the gross margin per vehicle is unsurprisingly down, but not that much. It's now sitting at seventeen point six percent, down from seven. Oops, a little mistake here. Uh, 17.9 percent the previous quarter so we, we're not comparing year over year here because obviously tesla's pricing have changed so much over the last two years that uh, we, we we need to just compare like quarter to quarter and um the the cost per car has also gone down um so th th that's that's a good sign but not fast enough to compensate for the price cut because obviously the gross margins were affected so i think that's um that's kind of the bulk of like uh, in terms of actual revenue. But Tesla is still adding to its uh, giant uh, cash pile. Uh, now I think it's sitting at uh, 
20. Oh, I don't know if I can see from here. Uh, can I not just blow this up from here? I might have to do this. Tesla is now sitting on. No, I'm sorry. They don't put it here. They put it further down, right? Some cool pictures with the earnings every time. It's now sitting on a sweet little cash position of $29 billion. Is it not nice? A lot of cash. All right. With all that, with the slight miss and everything, um, Tesla stock didn't like their earnings, didn't like the earnings and like what they heard from the conference call. We're going to get into the conference call, but first uh, we're going to discuss, I think, what was probably the biggest impact on the stock. The stock was down 12% yesterday, the first day of opening after the uh, uh, release of the financial results. And I think that was the guidance for 2024 because Tesla, Tesla is not really big on guidance for a company. They don't normally most companies will give you some clear guidance quarter to quarter or at least on a yearly basis. Um, Tesla, well, last year they gave you a guidance of like 1.8 million vehicles at some point into the year, not early into the year. For the most part, early into the year, it uh, it sticks to its roughly 50% annual growth rate for vehicle deliveries. That's the only real thing that it gives you. Um, now, 50% average annual growth rate that can be in that one year, it's way up 50%, and the other year, it's way down. And they framed it with their guidance for this year that it's going to be way down this year, which we, we kind of knew because Tesla is, doesn't have really the, the vehicle lineup right now to, to get a big boost. Um, but in the, um, in the shareholders letter, the company said, our company is currently between two major growth waves. The first one began with the global expansion of the Model 3Y platform, and the next one, uh, we believe will be initiated by the global expansion of the next generation vehicle platform. Global expansion, I think, is an important uh, phrase here. In 2024, our, vo our vehicle volume growth rate may be notably lower than the growth rate achieved in 2023 as our teams work on the launch of the next generation vehicles uh, vehicle at uh, Gigafactory Texas. All right, so a lot of unpack here. I think obviously the the growth rate may be notably notably lower than the growth rate achieved in twenty twenty three. I think that is the most impactful thing here in terms of the the stock price. Tesla's growth rate in in terms of vehicle deliveries in 2023 was thirty eight percent, so already significantly down from the fifty percent average, and now it's going to be lower than that this year, notably lower. How much does that mean? I don't know. Um, I'm I'm curious. Over the next few days, we're most likely going to see the um the expectation from analysts but personally i would be kind of surprised to see more than 20 percent growth weight like if tesla can get 20 percent, which is a lot 20 percent is you know uh 350,000 vehicles something like that more than they delivered last year like where did they get those 350,000 vehicles so that's that's the question um i don't know do you have, a, do you have an opinion on that set yeah, so I mean, it's kind of a big deal, and I guess that's why the stock's kind of tanking a little bit. But um, you know, Tesla's going from this like hyper growth, you know, where they were growing fifty percent year over year, to a little bit, you know, less at at thirty eight percent, and then anticipating twenty percent. And twenty percent is still, as you said, impressive growth. It's it's uh, you know, if Ford or GM said, "Hey, we're going to grow twenty percent next year," everybody'd be loving life. But it doesn't. <laughs> or would be calling BS. By the end. Or we're calling BS. 
but if uh you know so tesla is no longer a 50 percent year over year growth engine right now right and and that's probably because you know they're ramping up Cybertruck and they're you know they're doing things besides uh uh building a lot more cars at the same factories they have to open mexico and they're you know whatever so the thing is the value of the company you know if it's growing 20 percent year over year versus 50 percent year over year that you know that extrapolates in a much different place for you know these traders so instead of trading like you know Tesla has traded, um, it, it it may be a, a less valuable company. And and I'm saying, you know, less valuable like uh, Apple. You know, Apple hopes to go 20% year over year in growth. Uh, Apple's a great company. Everybody loves Apple. But, you know, Tesla made $10 billion last year, right? Apple made $100 billion last year. If they're growing at the same rate and they're, you know, Theoretically, Tesla should be worth a tenth of Apple, and Apple's worth you know three trillion now. Maybe Tesla's really worth you know three hundred billion dollars, which would still make it the biggest car company in the world. Even though you know Toyota and yeah, I guess VW make a ton more cars, um, but you know maybe te- we need to re kind of jigger our expectation for the Tesla stock price here. Maybe it's not a five, you know, $500,000, sorry, $500 billion company. Maybe it's a $300 billion company. I don't know. I mean, there's still so many growth opportunities. I mean, the FSD thing is kind of out the window, but, um, you know, the, the battery stuff could, you know, as Elon has said in the past, the, the battery stuff could be huge. There's still tons of opportunity out there. Still a lot of growth opportunities, but I don't but know. Do, do you, I, but do you think Tesla can grow less or more than 20% this year? I mean, it could certainly grow more than 20% this year, but you know, if, if that's what they're forecasting, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah. I mean, they're not forecasting anything. It's just a notably lower than 38%. That, that's what the, uh, the only, only thing they really said. Um, Cause obviously, yeah, the Cybertruck is the only real no, new vehicle in there. And like, if they deliver like 50,000, it would be like, most likely pretty good so you only have a fraction of what you need to achieve 20 percent right there i think the mold three is probably where they have the most growth opportunity between uh, in 2024 versus 2023 because it looks like tesla delivered like fewer than half a million uh mold three in 2023 and they delivered 1.2 million model y's so that's uh you probably some balancing to do here that 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 could work but yeah 20 percent, I, I still think would be like very good news because let me let me share this real quick here when we talk about uh what you just said about growth at tesla because if you look at the year over year growth even though tesla delivered a lot more vehicles year over year in q4 2023 versus q4 2022 revenue basically was unchanged from automotive business from delivering those car Tesla made 21.3 billion in uh in in 2022 Q4 from selling vehicles and 21.5 growth uh even though they deliver, even though the vehicle delivery growth um which should be and that's because of the price drops yeah uh vehicle delivery here grew 20% so vehicle delivery grew 20% year over year but uh, revenue grew 1%. Uh, that's because gross margins are down 23% year over year. Um, 
Now, on the other side of growth, that's interesting. In energy generation, storage revenue grew 10% year over year, which uh, is significant. But I think the, the, there's room to do even better than that because obviously there's still a ramp up of a uh, uh, later up factory. And then you have the new mega factory for mega packs in China. And when those two are running together full capacity, which should be probably uh, next year because of China is like quite recent, but still, still you should see an impact in, in 2024. And that's going to, that's going to probably accelerate a lot because then Tesla is going to have, uh, going to be able to focus the production of each of those plans for project closer. So it's going to reduce the transit time for all these projects, which can be quite long. And uh, that should get things rolling a lot faster. So something to keep an eye on, on that. And then the service and other revenues grew 27%. Uh, so that's, that's very major. And also, I think uh, Tesla confirmed that they are now significantly profitable on that. So Tesla uh, specifically highlighted. It would be nice to Tesla to break that, especially... With Elon saying, "Ah, it's an AI robotic company. It's like twelve startups in one. It's it, it's it is that I agree with him, but they don't give you a lot of transparency into all those different uh, business aspects. So I would like Tesla to break down like its supercharger business. That would be so helpful. I would like to see like how the supercharger business is profitable. Uh, and Tesla could like maybe give a little insight for these other." Um, charging station operators that are not making any money right now because Tesla uh, uh, made it sound like it was profitable on that front. And then obviously the, the selling parts for its car, that's always a profitable business. That's how GM makes a lot of money. Um, and then, um, and then uh, selling used cars, obviously that's also a big part of this. Uh, so I would like to have a breakdown of this $2 billion now that this is making a quarter from all of these uh, different businesses. Do you think uh, them, Broadcasting that those numbers would help the stock price. Do you think uh, analysts and and re retail investors are? I don't know yeah. if it would help it, but it would certainly help the market better understand Tesla. Now, does that help Tesla, the, the stock if you have a better understanding of Tesla, or does it not help the stock? Yeah, if you want to be point. transparent, like the, like Elon says and everything, like I think that would make sense. Um. All right. Let's uh, let's move back to this and then back up here. All right, got it. All right, now let's uh, let's move to some of the things that Elon said during the call because that mo most of the news came from uh, from that really. Uh, first off, the the number one question question upvoted by uh, shareholders to be asked on the call was a timeline for the next generation EV. So we had a timeline from. Routers actually released an article earlier in that. We, I think the same day, actually, of the earnings call, they claimed that uh, supply chain sources said that uh, it would be in mid-2025 that the car would come. Now, Elon on the call said that the internal timeline for Tesla is actually late 2025, and he was being his usual... Uh, uh, he came with all the usual warnings that he's uh, quite a bit optimistic with timelines and that uh, he's sometimes wrong with timelines and all that. So... Obviously, take that with a grain of salt. But right now, Tesla is aiming for late 2025 on that first next-gen vehicle, which is either going to be like that robo-taxi, which this is an early concept that was released as part of the um, uh, Elon Musk-approved biography. And um, the other one is the $25,000 Tesla that we've been calling Model 2, Model E, whatever it's going to be. Uh, but the cheapest Tesla yet. 
uh, which is going to be based on that unbox manufacturing process that was unveiled at uh, the investor day last year. So now we have a timeline for that, and that's late 2025, so most likely 2026. And uh, so that gives us basically the um, the timeline between those two growth period. Now, like we are, we just ended the. We're just at the tail end of the first big growth period. And now it looks like it won't be until 2026. And even then, there's going to be a production ramp and all that. So uh, we, we might be in a big lull, a bigger lull than uh, I thought I uh, would be in with Tesla. So interesting. All right. Yeah, it, um, might, it might be uh, t- time for some other automakers to pick up the slack. I, I yeah. Notably, Volvo, I think, with the... EX30 is going to be a hit this year. Yeah, especially yeah, the with door. the backing of the Chinese too. Like they could have, like they, they they could probably get into higher volume. It's not we are, I haven't seen anything like big in terms of numbers so far, but there's certainly plenty of vehicle programs out there that could go big, like Tesla. But it looks no no one has the has the the guts that Tesla has at this front, like a, like in terms of like planning for just crazy volume, other than BYD and some of the Chinese, of course. Uh, right. But for them, they just don't come to North American market just yet. All right. Uh, the second most upvoted question was um, was they wanted Elon to explain his comments and to, more specifically, they asked shareholders. They asked that question the most. The, 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 the it was the biggest softball that you could add that question possible. They said, "Should we be concerned about Elon asking for twenty five percent voting control, or it would?" Uh, move his uh, AI product to uh, his startup rather than uh, than Tesla. So that was the second most avoided question, and though, so Elon addressed it on on the call, but yeah, he, he didn't really address the question. So let me actually read his comments here because this I thought this would be like very important. Okay, this the shareholders have heard the concerns, like they they they, they agree with the concerns, they upvoted it. It was the second most avoided question. So there is concern within the Tesla retail shareholder. Um, community, and this was Elon's response. Let me explain why. You want, um, what my concern is here, which is that, you know, okay, <laughs> I, I, I put the direct transcript on this, so I'm going to talk like Elon, basically. I see a path to creating an artificial intelligent and robotic juggernaut of truly immense capability and power, and my concern would be I don't want to control it, but if you have so little influence over the company at this stage that I could sort of be voted out by some sort of random shareholder advisory firm. And then from there, he continued, like, he sort of lose the plot and, like, now focus on, like, those advisory firm. And, you know, we had a lot of challenges with institutional shareholder services, ISS. I call them HISIS, <laughs> uh, Glass Lewis, and, you know, which is uh, an ISS which there's a lot of activists that basically infiltrate those organizations and have, you know, strange idea about what you should be done. So, you know, he talks like a, a hockey player now. <laughs> so, you know, um, I, want to, I, <laughs> I want to have enough to be influential. Like if you could do a dual class talk, uh, that would be ideal. I'm not looking for additional economics. I just want to be an effective steward of a very powerful technology. And the reason I just sort of roughly picked approximately 25% was that just that's so much, that's not so much that I can control the company, even if I go bonkers. Uh, and if I'm like mad, they can throw me out, but it's enough that I have a strong influence. That's what I'm aiming for, a strong influence, but not control. Uh, if there's some way to achieve that, that would be great. 
So there's a lot to unpack here because, first of all, he, did, he, he never addressed the, the real Avoided concerns the here, which is the conflict of interest with XAI and Tesla and uh, even possibly a breach of fiduciary duty because he said that he would be willing to divert uh, products, AI products from Tesla to, uh, uh, to XAI. He didn't say XAI, but he, he inferred it uh, to, to his comment because uh, XAI is a startup uh, for artificial intelligence. So he didn't address that at all. So right there, his comment is worthless. He brings up, again, this idea of like, oh, it's not about the money. It's about the voting control. Okay, whatever. It's still it's still going to be money because it doesn't seem that there's a path to achieve a dual-class voting system post-ITO. So it is going to be money. So now why? So the, he only focused on the why he wants the 25% control. And that that is to get more control, or as you say, not really control, even though he says control, but then he's like, he, he grabs himself back. I just want some influence. Um, and then it's because he's fear, he fears activists taking control to ISS services so I, I didn't even I, I didn't even think of that at first. Like I thought you know, we 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 get, we got the special podcast a few weeks ago when the, those comments first came out, and we came up with like okay who can take control of Tesla? Some kind of hostile takeover. So maybe the Saudis, maybe a, a competing company like Apple, even though it's not Apple's mo at all. Uh, there's not a lot of entities that can take over a 600 well used to be 600 two days ago a billion dollar company. So. Who, who is he talking about, really? Who is this threat that could take over Tesla? And now he's talking about ISS companies, which, sure, Tesla had little little toggles with uh, with ISS firms in, in the past. but for the, And they've tried like a bunch of initiatives to get passed by shareholders. And for the most part, they've been completely unsuccessful, even with Elon's current level of uh, ownership over the company. So he's like extrapolating this very minor issue at Tesla right now and that could become like super big. And I know he had concern with the IE and uh, uh, like uh, uh, what he calls the woke mind virus and filtrating these, these, these uh, organization using the ISS firm to become like basically uh, shareholder activists, which is perfectly fine. Like th- this is why this whole system work like, was put in place in the, in the first place. Like, all right, you, you want to have some kind of impact on a company, become a shareholder, become a shareholder activist, use these kind of services uh, to have proxy shares to vote on, on these initiatives. And Tesla shareholders have shut down all those initiatives so far. So I, I really don't see this as a significant threat. Uh, AI or no AI, it doesn't, like, you, you can argue about the attention of those activists within the ISS community, I would never compare them to a a terrorist organization, obviously. Like, that's madness to to do that, but I I guess it was joking, whatever. But even if you can challenge their intention, you cannot argue that their effectiveness is bad. Like, they're just not effective at what they do, at least when it comes to Tesla. So for him to use that as an excuse of like even like now at 13% ownership, probably up to like 18% if he exercises shares, that's not a real problem. So there's, it's, it's not a great argument on Elon's front, I think. Anything to add on this, uh, Seth? Yeah, so I mean, he mentions that uh, it's funny. Uh, the reason I sort of just uh, roughly picked 25% was that uh, that's not so much that I can I can control the company even if I go bonkers. Like 
we are kind of seeing like the <laughs> the test of that bonkers like what is that exactly bonkers and like how much like it seems like his control is holding uh at the current current <laughs> bonkers level point. so uh, you're saying that like he, he is putting a scenario in the future that we're actually experiencing right now and what he says could happen which is you could still kick me out at 25 percent we cannot kick him out now at thirteen percent. So exactly. <laughs> so his point is completely moot. Then yeah, he, he's oh, proving his own point. point. I didn't even see it like that. Oh, that's good. That's that's gold right there. You should tweet that. Um, all right, let's let's move on uh, from other things that Elon said during that was uh, sort of interesting. All right, this one. Uh, so one of the other top voted questions from shareholders was what was happening with those talks with other automakers about licensing full self-driving uh, package, FSD package. So that's something that Elon first said in 2021. He said that they were having tentative uh, discussions with automakers. And then uh, last year, he also said again that he would be perfectly willing to license autopilot and full self-driving technology to other automakers. He says that's the uh, it, it's the way forward. And then when asked what happened with those conversations, he says uh, uh, he said this week, I really think a lot of car companies should be asking for FSD licenses, and we've had some tentative conversations. So again, confirming that, but I think they don't believe it's real quite yet. I think that will become obvious probably this year. <laughs> this year, it's always oh going to be this year. This is hilarious. So we, we are a month into 2024, and we, we have already the prediction, so it's probably this year. Well, now he says probably at least. Uh, before that, it was always – so just a few months ago, it was by the end of, ne of 2023 – and it was like very likely or something like that that he used. Now it's like probably this year, just a month into the year. Um, and and there's no also no clear gold anymore. Like it's uh, he did he did tweet yesterday something about like things will go crazy at Tesla once we have unsupervised FSD approved by regulators. So at least I like that comment because now uh, I, at least it shows that that's still the goal. That they're not gonna move the goalposts again, and now like FSD is just gonna become like the beta right now, which is just like us supplying that data for Tesla and having some sort of useful features like uh, uh, Auto Park, I guess, <laughs> which I use like twice a year, but not the promise full self-driving beta. We got this week, we got the, the first few up, uh, V12 FSD update being pushed to non-Tesla employees. So for a while now, it was um, only on the Tesla internal fleet testing the V12. And for those who don't know, the V12 is the big rewrite removing 300,000 line of C++, C++ code. Uh, now the, it's end-to-end neural nets, Elon likes to say photon ins and controls out because before that the neural nets were used for the computer vision and all that but not for the vehicle controls the vehicle behavior and all that fortunately they only released it to a handful of tesla fsd beta testers uh like omar uh, people that we don't really trust in terms of like representing the fsd well especially omar he even use uh 
third-party system to get past the vehicle nag that they call it, the alerts and all that. So it's like it's very not representative of the average use case. Uh, but they haven't pushed it uh, too far just yet. Uh, so, so far what we see, we see uh, what we expected from V12s, which is uh, more human-like behavior because of, uh, you know, they, they've been trained on human drivers, basically, instead of uh, more like stern vehicle controls that are hard-coded by engineers. So that that's a good good news. But also it's still far from perfect, a lot of mistakes and all that, so... It's still hard to see a clear path from FSD beta V12. Also, also by the way, it is beta. <laughs> so it was supposed not to be beta. Elon said that V12 would be released to customer as a non-beta update. Not, not that he said what that would mean anyway, but um, it is still marked as beta. Maybe with the broader release, I don't know, because like I said, it's only a few right now non-Tesla employees that have it. So maybe he said that the broader release would be coming in the next few weeks. So we'll be waiting for that. But I can't wait to actually try it, give it a shot, because I know in this article here, I got a lot of flack from Tesla fan. A 500 comments on this. I, I stopped reading after the first 100 comments or so. Like the comments were going crazy on that post. Um, people got quite, quite mad for me. They say that it's the last hope. Uh, for self-driving at Tesla. It's probably, it's my last hope. It's my last hope for Tesla to achieve self-driving on the current hardware. Uh, let, let's put it like that. Because yeah, I, I mean, don't the, see anything else. What, the, hard, after, the hardware is a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Tesla could like come out with another set of hardware and then, and, and then improve again and probably achieve it at some point. I, I'm very confident that Tesla will figure it out uh, at some point because they have some impressive technology. It's just that right now I don't see them closing the gap between what they have now and the full like level four driving system. And yeah, and and Waymo's been driving their stuff around cities like multiple like I don't know four or five cities at this point. They have you know level four. What is it? I think it's level five, isn't? Yeah, no, I think you consider that level four. They have level four working. They've had it for years. It's it's on the roads, and of course, of course that you know they have all this mapping to do and and whatever but we know it's attainable is it attainable with the current hardware that's that's uh you know yet to be decided but um you know if tesla keeps iterating its hardware it's going to get to the point where waymo is at some point right it's it, they have to uh, the problem the problem is that they don't even want to try something like 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 waymo does like i i would be like even if you don't, like you could geofence. Like I think, I think they see it as like a defeat if they if they do a geofence on something like Waymo. Uh, but maybe they could try like a geofence without mapping, like just right. like get really good with something that works in a specific area and show at least that you can do something like Waymo. Even if you geofence this w- without doing HD mapping of that geofence area, you just get real good in a specific area. But they, they don't seem to be there yet either, which, which is the real worrying part here. And, and like if, if everyone says like, oh, you cannot compare Tesla and Waymo. Like you, you, you can, like it's like close enough of like the thing that you want to achieve. The hidden goal is close enough. Yeah, and I think Waymo certainly intends to make their, I mean, they're saying like every new city they add, it becomes easier to, you know, to, to map, to geofence, like all these things. This is how Waymo gets to, you know, the universal self-driving as well. Mm. They're, you know, every city they add, it's easier. Maybe all of a sudden it's automated. They don't have to, you know, it's all AI. 
it it seems like Waymo's got a, a way to get there as well as Tesla. So I don't I don't know why Tesla doesn't take some of those you know ideas like hey let let's you know close in our our test system and let it get smarter from like the the inside out instead of just mm-hmm. throwing it all at it at once. Yeah. So. I mean, there's no doubt that it's more impactful what Tesla is trying to do if they achieve it. Like it would be, it would be more impactful quicker. Uh, but yeah, if it, but it doesn't mean that they are going to get there faster. <laughs> so if they don't no. get there faster, then then there's no benefit to it. Um, so yeah, for me, the V12 is like my last hope because of hardware limitations and uh, the the fact that like I don't see after this big rewrite where we are the. We are the twelfth version of this product now. They and, have like and they just redid everything this, right? too. Yeah, and I and I know it's a hard problem to solve. So I'm not saying like ah, oh, it's terrible, but it's like I just have less slack. I give less slack to a company when they already sold me the product like six years ago. So like, did you sell me the product six years ago? I, I, I'm a, I'm allowed to complain that you haven't yeah you haven't uh, delivered on, on what you uh you said you would and so with this last product the v12 the 12 version a full rewrite now we have the end-to-end neural nets so now you just feed all the best data you can to it to train it and all, all uh hopefully gets better fast but probably by the end of the year <laughs> probably oh. by the end of the year all probably. right we have a little bit more to discuss, and then we're going to jump into your comments. So if you guys have any questions for us, you can put them in the comment section right now, and we can get to them in about 15 or 20 minutes. So stay tuned for that. But before we continue with the few new, more news items we want to discuss, we're going to talk about Upway, our sponsor for this week's episode. All right. Today's episode is sponsored by Upway, a leading online e-bike provider carrying the broadest selection of brand new and certified pre-owned models. The team at Upway has compiled a growing selection of top brands like Specialized, Trek, Aventon, and Gazelle, each priced up to 60% off retail to make electric mobility affordable to everyone. Want to sell or trade your current e-bike? Upway manages that as well. Each pre-owned e-bike goes through a rigorous inspection, tune-up, and certification by Upway's team of master mechanics and comes with a one-year warranty. Following your purchase, Upway will get your e-bike delivered to you 99% assembled within one week and accepts returns within 19 days in case the bike isn't the right fit for you. The process is easy. Now through January 31st, which is pretty soon, uh, save up to $1,000 off a wide selection of e-bikes during Upway's winter sale event. Be sure to use promo code ELECTREK for an additional $100 off. Learn more at upway.co. A huge thanks to Upway for sponsoring. Yes, thank you. And I think that's the the one that you said that uh, also like they come like more assembled than the average bike, right? A little bit. Yeah, they, basically you just have to screw on the uh, the handlebar, the and it's not it's not even screwing on the handlebar. You're like just tightening the handlebar. Yeah, I yeah, mean that's, the pedals that's are the on base. there. Everything. Yeah, I mean I wish they had like a like a similar company up here in Quebec like that. I would I would always go through that. Because a lot of people, like, they, they, I mean, obviously they, they take care of their e bikes, the the used bikes after, but the pre on whatever they call it, but a lot of people they like like to switch up e-bikes. So some of them are not always like super uh, run down or anything like that. All right, uh, I think we have one more. Oh yeah, like a quick look at the uh, Mall Three refresh performance. So we talked a few weeks ago about Tesla launching the Mall Three performance in um, uh, sorry the, the Mall Three refresh design in North America after launching it all the way last summer in Europe and Asia. 
but it still doesn't have the performance version. The performance version is gone in all those markets, and we expect a new one to come. We had a few leaks over the last few months, like we saw like this new like sports seat that uh, appears to be designed for the Model Three. Um, we saw a new badging, looks like a plaid or ludicrous badging, and uh, now we see from kilowatts on tw- uh, X, um, they um, they spotted this uh, vehicle here. In San Francisco, yeah, in San Francisco, you can see it on this video. Uh, still has camouflage in the front and back. Um, and we, the reason we're saying it's a performance Model Three refresh is that uh, you saw it briefly here on on the side, but uh, here you see the calipers, performance calipers. You know what's so, funny is the fact that it has uh, camo on it probably brings more attention to it than if it was just riding around <laughs> naked. Yeah, and you would think normally the performance version of the Model 3 compared to the other ones don't have uh, exterior design changes other than like, the, the additional like spoiler that like, you can attach to it. So there's no changes. Why, if you already unveil the Model 3 Island, uh, why adding that? So people are speculating that the design might be different for the performance this time. So the front bumper looks like it has a little bit more aggressive front splitter here. So you see, like this is the regular Island Model Three, and the performance one looks to be different here on the side. Uh, so that might be some new hair intake for like brake cooling, which would make sense. But yeah, I'm very, I'm very curious, I'm very interested to see if Tesla makes like. Uh, so if they do that, if they do new seat, new seat is also something new that you don't see for performance version of Tesla vehicles. So new seat, new bumper. Like if there's a few things that are different, maybe maybe we get like a bigger upgrade with the performance Model Three, uh, which would be interesting because even though the Plaid Model S is obviously the Tesla's like top performance vehicle right now, a lot of people don't like it in terms of, as a performance vehicle just because of the weight. It's a super heavy car. It's huge. Not that the Model Three is a light car either, but it's much lighter, and with that, more fun to drive. I know I love my Model Three performance for that. It's uh, it's a lot light. It, it, obviously, every car, every electric car that has this kind of power just feels light sometimes at first place on a on a straight line. But when you're actually like doing some aggressive driving, it, it does uh, feel it can it can feel heavy. But the Model Three feels a lot less heavy than the Model S. So maybe uh, we get a new multi performance that becomes like the new top performance vehicle for Tesla until the next gen Roadster comes in thirty thirty six. Twenty thirty six. You said thirty. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> a thousand years from now. Yeah. We'll drive the Roadster on Mars. All right. Uh, the uh, Porsche Macan EV is finally fully unveiled. Oh my God, we've been waiting for this. Um, I mean, we knew this was coming since the Taycan was was released, really. Like, yep. uh, I think uh, I remember at the launch of the Taycan, we were already talking about the Macan because the Macan is is uh, Porsche's most popular vehicle. So like, all right, let's make this electric and, and have some like real volume. Uh, but it was delayed um, year, basically every year for the last uh, five years, four years, something like that. And uh, now, so we, now we have uh, the full, fully unveiled design here. Can I click on that? Well, that's uh, having some issues sometimes with these uh, galleries here. Hmm. But yeah, you, you can get a pretty good look from this. All right, so we have the European spec for the car. So European specs is up to 402 horsepower, 300 kilowatts. Uh, we have 
um, 479 of, uh, of the pounds per foot torque with overboost. Not sure what overboost is. Uh, up to 381 miles, that's 613 kilometers of WLTP range. So we should get uh, over 300 miles of EPA on this thing, which is real nice. Uh, meanwhile, the Macan Turbo boast up to... Okay, so that's for the regular Macan, and then you have the Macan Turbo. Uh, 630 horsepower, 470 uh, kilowatts of power, 0 to 62, so uh, that's 100 kilometers per hour in 3.3 seconds. That's, that's fast. fast. Yeah. Um, what else do we have? So the Turbo has uh, a little bit less range at 367 miles, uh, 591 kilometers, but still, uh, you should. that's also probably going to be over 300 miles. And and Porsche is known for having, like, uh, they, they are pretty conservative on that front. I don't know about the WLTP, but APA, we had some good results, right, with the Taycan? Right. Yeah, Taycan was always over the EPA. Which is, which is very good for range anxiety. Um, the top speed, 136 miles per hour, 220 kilometers an hour. Uh, and that gets up for the turbo to 161 miles per hour, 260 kilometers an hour. Uh, so yeah, the first PPE, uh, vehicle from Porsche. And so maybe all the last. these, yeah, all these are, are enabled by a hundred kilowatt hour battery pack, 95 kilowatt hour usable. In terms of uh, dimension, like how does that compare to Model Y? Because it, it's pretty big, close. Yeah, that's a big battery pack to fit in there. Like, like now, now I'm not surprised at all that they, it gets that kind of range with a hundred kilowatt battery pack. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like a Model Y on steroids. It, yeah, it, it's uh, how did the interior feel? Because uh, so they had. I mean, when I was in it, they had yeah, yeah, they covered it up, so, yeah. And it's kind of frustrating because, like, we keep getting drip drop tons of information from Porsche. But, like, so here's a, here's an example. Um, we got we got uh, yesterday or the day before they sent, you know, hey, we have an embargo. We weren't going to give you all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. And then between the time that I signed the embargo and they actually delivered the information, which is basically these pictures, um, you know, Peter found a uh, some some guy who tweeted out a bunch of these pictures. And I hadn't received it yet. And they got pissed at me. So they were like, hey, you, you posted the pictures. I was like, you didn't give us anything yet. Like, I, I'm not breaking any embargoes. Like, this is a guy. And, you know, Peter basically just embedded a tweet uh, that had four pictures on it. So they were pissed. And I was like, all right, whatever. I don't care. So um, it's just frustrating because, you know, there is like, hey, give us a drive. Give us, you know, a, an hour with this thing let it you know they they basically put us in the the passenger seat and took us on the track which was crazy and then you know off road which is like a dirt you know gravel road but it's just frustrating cuz like I really wanted to try this car out and mm -hmm. they're they're just you know throwing garbage at us and it's you know it's really frustrating cuz I think this is going to be a really important car a really amazing car I mean it's Porsche's best seller Macan and Cayenne are the bit you know the best sellers for Porsche they they do well internationally. Obviously, the uh, U.S. and North America is uh, you know SUV heavy, so they're going to love this. Let's get it in the car and like take it for a ride. It it's just frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I'm I'm going to be checking out the PPE on Audi side of things too. So I'm oh, nice. uh, next month going to Munich. So uh, not next month, March. 
we are in January right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in March, I'm going to be checking out uh, the Audi's first PP car on their side and, and diving into their technology on that front. So I'll try to get some information on what well, what happened on that front and why why there was so much so much issues bringing this to production and all the secrecy and all that. From uh, obviously yeah. that's going to be from Audi's side of things, not Porsche, but they they do share that new PP platform. Um, all right, the Taycan had one of the the biggest sellers. Is that charging speed was real nice, and that, that also come to the Macan with the uh, DC fast charging up to 270 kilowatts, uh, charge from 10 percent to 80 percent, which is a nice uh, use case in around just 21 minutes. So that's that's about as nice as it gets. Like you, you you're good with that. Like there's no there's no problem with that. Um, at 400 volt station, uh, high voltage switch split the battery into two for both rated at 400 volt for efficient charging. So they do uh, have 800 volt system in there, but they they have this split charging for 400 volt, which uh, is interesting technology. All right, um, we have the dimension and everything on the articles. If you want to check that out, uh, we have a nice 0.25 uh, drag coefficient on this thing, which is uh, pretty good for an, an, an SUV. Yeah, okay, that's what I'm looking for. Some interior pictures here since Seth, uh, Seth, didn't, Seth drove that car and didn't even see that. <laughs> uh, they sent uh, us a rendering afterwards. Yeah. Like, this uh, is what you could have seen if you lifted the curtain. <laughs> let me, okay, let, yeah, let me um, bring this up bigger here like that. Okay. So, yeah, something very familiar interior when it comes to a Porsche. You always have the classic clock in the middle here. Uh, full-length screens from the instrument cluster all the way to the front uh, passenger screen. Uh, yes, yeah, still have plenty of analog control on top of the touch screen. That's a classic, uh, classic for uh, our friends at Porsche. Uh, let's take a quick look here at the trunk space. So nothing huge, but still decent. Yeah, it looks and very then- Model Y-ish. Yeah, it looks a little bit smaller than my wife to me, to be honest. And I wouldn't be too surprised, especially if like the batch pack is so huge. Uh, and then, um, but that's just from me hiding it from here. And then you have the back seat here, which looks very nice. Looks like plenty of headroom. Uh, not, not. I, I actually never been in a Macan, I think, in my life. But the shape of the vehicle does seem to uh, fit well for a back seat uh, space. Especially for the headspace, I should say. All yeah, right, so great, I mean, it's a great experience inside. Oh, we do. We we have pricing for the Macan. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what they they uh, were were hinting at in in uh, Germany, but it's it's in the middle. You know, it's not a super expensive hundred thousand dollar Porsche. They're starting. So, so at... these these are still uh, price that we uh, exchange to US dollars for Europe. Are they? No, I think they actually have U.S. prices. Okay, these are U.S. pricing. Okay, starting under eighty thousand dollars at seventy-eight thousand eight hundred, uh, and then and it's an um, SUV, so you theoretically could get. Uh, yeah, I but mean, it's, it's not, not, it's not going to be built in America, though. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, lease. If you lease it, then probably you, you uh, can get around that. Yes. Yep. Uh, the turbo will start at one hundred and five thousand dollars because it is a performance vehicle. So not cheap, but also not ridiculously expensive for the the base version, which gives you more range than the uh, than the turbo version. I don't know how many people uh, the, the Macan probably the Macan starts a lot cheaper than that. So that's always the problem with uh, with uh, you going with an electric ver- 
making an electric version of an existing vehicle for an automaker. So the Mackin price in the U.S. is starting at $62,000. So it is like $15,000 more expensive. But you get a bigger car, I think. I think you much do get a car. much better car. And then when you look at the gas savings over years, I don't know what's the fuel efficiency on the Mackin, but I, I have a feeling it's not that super efficient. All right, speaking of electric SUV, we got an up-close look at the Lucid Gravity. So our own electric scooter, and that's not a scooter that we sell, but it's our scooter doll, one of our correspondents based out of the Midwest, but a well-traveler to say the least. Uh, Checked out, uh, went to Arizona to um, Lucid's factory uh, for an event, and uh, they showed the uh, Gravity, which is a very important car uh, for the company. And... um, I don't know. I have my doubts about the gravity sometimes when I look at it, especially the profile. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, a wagon. A little yeah. Bit. Which is not popular in the US, but could find a nice market in um, Europe, maybe, which I know Lucid is uh, it's kind of uh, marketing itself as like uh, you could, the, the way it markets itself could be popular in Europe. That's an interesting cool little. Uh, what do you call that? Like a little rug for your for your frunk, frunk rug? Yeah, I guess it's for sitting. It's like a chair. Yeah, a little bench. Um, do we have the specs on this? Oh, yeah. So that's on a nice like third row view here. I do yeah, like it's... the design of that second row too. Looks like, uh, especially it's for kids, comfy. it looks perfect at third row. Oh, that was Scooter sitting in. Scooter is 5'11". Not, I mean, I'm not. I'm not gonna say that does create leg room, but he, he does fit. That's in the if third row. Yeah, if it's for like a quick like transfer from the airport or something like that, you could you could fit uh, five people in the back of this. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. Like I said, it's just the. Oh, you still have a little space in the trunk too when you have the back seat, the the third row back seat. It's just the profile of it that. Uh, oh, that was not it. Yeah, it's here. A profile. I don't know. Mm. Maybe uh, with the trunk down, because uh, I know that there's a that there's a giant opening that they have here. Could be a better look, but it just doesn't work for me in terms of an SUV. Anyway, I, I wish them the best of luck because they need this. They need this to work. They need the gravity to work absolutely because. The air was kind of a flop. Just it's not too bad, honestly. But in terms of volume, it just never reached the volume that it needed to. The timing wasn't great, obviously, with the pricing and then the interest rates coming in. The monthly payments on that thing were quite expensive, and the sedans are just not very popular. In the U.S., uh, and so Lucid is a U.S. company, so they started out in the U.S. Now they try to divert some volumes in Europe to help, but it's just it's, it's not doing great right now. So they need an SUV, which is much popular in North America, to succeed. We are hoping that the gravity is going to be it. We'll see. That thing is not coming until next year anyway, right? Yep. 
Ah, another year. electric SUV. Yeah. So it was the it was the week for the unveiling electric SUV. We have the Honda Prologue. We have all the design unveil. We already had a pretty good look at the design, but now we have uh, EPA and pricing on this. So it gets up to 296 miles in EPA range, which is uh, which is nice. Solid. Yeah. Uh, so that's for the four wheel drive. For, for, sorry, forward wheel drive. Oh, really? They're going with a forward wheel drive on this. Is GM yeah. also going with four-wheel drive on their vehicles? They have some with front-wheel drive. Yeah. The Equinox is four-wheel drive? Uh, I don't know about the Equinox. I know the Blazer has an option to go front-wheel yeah, drive. Yeah, that's they- right. That's right. I guess, well, yeah, I guess the Blazer is pretty similar to that. Uh, so, yeah, the EX uh, four-wheel drive is 296. You also have the Touring version at 296 with four-wheel drive. But uh, the EX can come in all-wheel drive, and that drops down to 281 miles of range. Same for the Touring. And then you have an Elite version at 273. I assume that thing has, like, bigger wheels or something. That Well, it, it drops the range. Pricing start at $49,000 and goes up to $60,000 for the Elite version. But you can get an all-wheel drive on the prologue for just short of fifty-two thousand uh, dollars, which is nice. That's a nice option. Uh, what else can we tell you about this? Uh, Two hundred and eighty-eight horsepower. That's for the all-wheel drive. Okay, so nothing crazy. Two hundred and twelve for the forward-wheel drive. That's going to be kind of. I mean, that's. Chevy Bolt power in an SUV. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit underwhelming, I think. Uh, so Honda comes with um, the uh, Google Wireless uh, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto compatibility, 19-inch wheels. Um, that range is enabled by an 85 kilowatt hour battery pack. Uh, they only gave us the metric of 60 miles of charging around in 10 minutes. So that's... That's just not a great metric because it gives that the first 65 miles from a 10% state of charge. Like that's that's just not great metrics to have. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You get some illegal credits with that, which won't take you that far. The design is uh, is good. Um, I'm not mad at it. I'm, I probably probably would prefer a Blazer or Equinox over this right now. Uh, based on what I get, but I haven't driven in, so I, I shouldn't say anything. Like, uh, I think we have Scooter driving this in uh, a week or two, right? Oh, I'm not Maybe, sure. Uh, I think, yeah, I think Scooter is driving this next week, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll, we'll, we should get Scooter on the podcast uh, whenever he's after his, his ride to give us some impression on this, especially since I think Scooter has also driven an Ultium vehicle before from GM. We'll figure that out for you guys and, and, and let you know. But it would be interesting to to see like a nice comparison of an Ultium GM vehicle versus an Ultium Honda vehicle. See if there's interesting difference on, on that front. We'll we'll end. Uh, we'll end. We're, we're gonna take your comments just after this article, which is bad news for Polestar. They are cutting about fifteen percent of their workforce. Uh, Four hundred and fifty people, I think, are affected. Uh, I don't know if it's been a day or two since I read that. Uh, yeah, 450 people are using their job um, globally. 15% of the workforce, they're saying they are adjusting, they're restructuring the organization amid lowered and expected sales. So, Polestar also had this little 
in between <laughs> growth wave uh, situation like Tesla as they bring the three and four uh, to volume production. Uh, so they are readjusting with that uh, as they prepare for uh, this new growth period. So wish them the best because uh, I think Volvo, Polestar, like you said, they are, they are in the, probably in the... They're in, they're in a good place. I, I yeah. just wonder if there's enough room in the auto market for two separate entities. Like Volvo could have kept them in, in house and made it like Polestar versions of their vehicles. I mean, the, the Polestar three and the Volvo EX 90 are kind of the same car under, under the hood. And, you know, the Volvo seem much more compelling with a third row and kind of a more distinctive Volvo look. And the Polestar is a little bit more generic. I feel like Volvo is going to be eating up a lot of the potential customers for the Polestar. Yeah, that's but, a good point. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the, the comments. All right. Uh, so did we did we look at Rivian's impact report? Uh, Carl in San Diego says it shows pretty bad emission from production. Are you are all tracking and learning about the differences between the makes and the models? And my understanding with Rivian is that they are really working to kind of reduce the uh, uh, impact from uh, the production. For instance, they they just put a a, a big uh, windmill and they have tons of solar at their uh, facilities. So I think they are hard at work. And, and in fact, I, I don't know that everybody else uh, does impact reports. So just the fact that there is one uh, is probably a good sign. Uh, yeah, yeah. And if, and if you do one and then you realize, Oh, maybe we are polluting more than we thought. And you, you, you at least you, you can uh, find out where that is coming from and, and adjust. I know that Tesla has been in a similar situation and those impact report have them um, pinpoint exactly where they need to adjust. Yep. All right. Question. Uh, when do you guys think Tesla will start building chargers more geared towards cyber truck pulling trailers? It seems now that they would have to unhook the trailer before they charge. Yeah. We saw, um, the Jerry rigs, everything had to do that with the cyber truck. Um, which is, you know, painful. Tesla already has some places where you can pull in, uh, for, with, with a trailer, obviously they'll have to do more. I'm more interested in, um, you know, you have to pull up that cyber truck like to within an inch of mm -hmm. the uh the curb to to charge now um obviously the v three four the v four uh superchargers are gonna have longer cables not just for cyber truck but for other makes um i don't know when when are we gonna see like those roll out a lot further i guess you know, I think I think this. I don't think that's going to be that big of an issue. Obviously, for early owners, like everything, it's it's going to be an issue. But over time, as they ramp up, I think Tesla has pretty good look into the the data. They know where they would need those and and when. And we see it right now in plans for new supercharger. These are planned for for most of the bigger new stations. So, I think I think that's. Uh, fairly small problem that should be figured out but i know it's an annoying one when when you're stuck and having to unitch your trailer so so we're hoping that more more new stations are going to have that but it looks like tesla is aware of the issue yeah they have to be aware and, and they they also know that they're going to build a lot more cyber trucks so um nick cedar says question do you think elon's maneuvering about ai development is a sign that he knows now that level five is unachievable and he's bailing out on it would be interesting. That would I be mean, nice. level five, like, 
if Elon doesn't know that level five is unachievable on the current, at least on Oddworth three vehicles, on vehicles that don't have like self-cleaning for some of the most important cameras, um, I think he's being completely delusional. Uh, if that's the case, I think level four is possibly achievable on Oddworth uh, three vehicles if V twelve is a success. Um, at least if V twelve shows a path towards that, but the level five is like I I drive between Montreal and, and Shawinigan all the time and just a little bit of snow and I get all these alerts that FSD is degraded because of bad weather and like the weather is like minimally affected, just a little bit of snow, a little bit of rain or whatever, and it's and it screws up. So um I don't think level five is is in is in the cards at all. Uh now is Elon Manirving is AI development as a sign that he knows that I I don't know about that. I don't know about that exactly. I think I think he wants I think Elon wants to erase his loss of Tesla shares and control from his Twitter acquisition uh with a nice juicy new CEO package and that's his way to uh, to announce that to the world. That does feel like the uh the case which is kind of frustrating cuz he did make the choice to spend all that on Twitter. And and he made the choice to spend that particular amount before you know the stock market kind of went down and Twitter's value went down. But he was still going to spend that much money, so mm-hmm. he made that choice. All right, uh, Bela Bala Kumar says the price of EVs are going to determine who is going to be the market leader in EVs, and at this stage, it's not Tesla as taken over by BYD. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, I don't know, like. Uh... We'll see about that. Like BYD is still very new at making like higher end vehicles, I'm, and I, I'm not. That's just a fact. Okay, like vehicles that are comparable to Tesla. Let's put it like that. Uh, so we'll we'll see how successful they are with that in China, which I strongly believe they will be successful. Now we will compare. Like it would be nice if we could compare their cost and margins making these vehicles in volume in China to Tesla's costs and margins um, selling these vehicles and making them in Shanghai. And then if you could replicate that, like if, if BYD wants to enter like the North American market, for example, they're going to have to build here. Like uh, it doesn't like the current protectionist conditions installed by the government or make, make that the basically the only option or the only viable option, uh, profitable option, let's say. So what be interesting is could BYD do that in the US? Like they they have some operation in the US on the commercial sides of things and all that. So uh I, I, I think it's possible, but could they be as successful at Tesla doing it in the US? We'll see. Um, but yeah, the, the price of EVs is a major impact, there's no doubt. All right, uh John Keshage says, think about what happened to OpenAI. It's probably why Elon is worried. He's referring to um Sam Altman, the CEO, being ousted by the board uh temporarily, then a whole bunch of stuff happened. Microsoft hired, I guess, sort of Altman, and then the uh the whole basically eighty percent of the employees said they're gonna leave if they don't reinstate him. Uh the board changed and then they reinstated him. Uh, Elon probably saw that he knows Altman pretty well. Um, they, they've been friends in the past. I don't know if they're that friendly these days, but, um, you know, uh, I'm sure Elon is, is afraid on some level of losing his control. So I don't know. 
What do you think? I, th I think it's worth mentioning though that Altman doesn't own any equity in, in OpenAI. So well, Tesla owns still more equity than anyone in, in Tesla. So, and also we, we, we don't even know exactly what happened with OpenAI. Like it's the, the board never said exactly why they fired Altman in the first place. They said he was being, he wasn't being transparent. You could probably say the same thing about Elon, but uh, they never explained why. And that's why they ended up rehiring him because they were given an ultimatum by employees. Now, here's a bit of question because you brought in the comparison and you brought in the fact that uh, the board was pressured by the employees to rehire him or to not fire him or whatever. You think that the board, no, I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but the board fires Elon as CEO tomorrow. Do you think the employees uh, I don't, would I don't rally think be, behind him? I don't think 80% of them would, especially yeah. not, not the people on the line. Uh, yeah. so certainly some would, but um, I think especially with the uh, the the salary cuts lately. Yeah, that's I think what I was going to say. Yeah, morale's a little bit lower than uh, it has been in the past. Yeah, it, it's hard when like a lot of employees, so their compensation, their yearly bonus, and all that go down this year, and then at the same time, Milan is asking for like a sixty billion dollars compensation package. It's uh, I know I don't. He's not asking for more economics, but it's just it just so happens that it comes with more economics. All right. I'll, maybe I'll maybe Milan should do something like. Uh, he gets a $60 billion compensation plan from Tesla. And then it gives out the shares to his fans <laughs> with a proxy that he votes the shares for them. <laughs> they get the financial benefit and he gets the voting power. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. I'm sure everybody would be into that except Elon. <laughs> well, not, but Elon would be that he claims that that's what he wants. He only wants claims. the voting power, don't want the extra economics. Though at the same time, I don't know how the value of those shares would, like, how they would, unless, unless Tesla starts giving out like dividends or anything like that, like they won't, because they couldn't sell them. They could sell, or they could only sell them between themselves that give the proxy to, to Elon. So it would be a mess for sure. I don't think it's actually executable, but. It's yeah. an interesting concept. It would it would test it would test uh, if uh, what he said is true about not wanting more economics, just wanting more voting power. Oh, and it's funny. Um, this is something I pulled up uh, last week. I was just rooting around, but um, Elon has said in the past he has um, talked about uh, Zuckerberg at Facebook uh, having he 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 talked about it as a bad thing that Zuckerberg had outsized. Uh, power oh you know he owns you know like a few percentage points but he ha has basically half the voting shares at facebook and elon has said in the past that that's bad so it's funny that he's you know hoping for something like that now mm -hmm. yeah so i don't know um so i should indulge carl here Elon is a megalomaniac. Unless you can accept that, you'll continue to be confused about his motives for full control. He believes he's a god and everyone else is trying to keep up. That's why Elon can say AI is the most dangerous tech and yet trust his companies to rely on it for the future. Complete hypocrite. And then I think he's not confirming FSD licensing conversations. He's making them up out of thin air. Shareholders should hold him responsible for that lie. He's used it twice. I don't think we have proof that that's a lie. Like, uh, yeah. and I mean, I, especially, I wouldn't be so surprised um, 
amid like the Tesla talked to every single automakers operating in right. North America over the last year through about NACS. So if they're talking about NACS, they're talking about deal to access the supercharger network. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. I was like, hey, by the way, are you interested in other Tesla technology other than Max? Do you want all autopilot? Do you want all FSD on this side? Do you want like whatever? Yeah, but FSD is going to be a big lift. Like you're going to have to put cameras all over a car and mm-hmm. computers in the car and stuff. It's a big deal. Yeah. But it's right, less uh, of a big deal than like a Waymo like kit or something. Right. You know, uh, when I took a look at the volvo ex90 the bigger volvo it has a lot of lidar stuff on it and i know volvo is a big partner with waymo it wouldn't surprise me to get like a waymo light os on on the ex90 yeah yeah that would make sense for waymo to like uh start to to bring in more revenue streams and you know their ride sharing business i mean i mean that's kind of like their you know i don't think their end goal is to be a ride sharing service i think they want to sell their stuff to i don't know anyway uh let's move on no one is going to license a feature which doesn't work except tesla we're talking about fsd here uh yeah i think to get it to work would be like the first order of business um so don't underestimate that waymo can be cheating with remote driver operators cruise whistleblower pretty much admitted that they were doing that means that their av is smoke and mirrors uh i don't i don't know how much uh the driver operators like I, I know that you know if a chevy bolt cruise thing gets pulled over by the cops then then a, a remote guy takes over but i don't think i don't think people were actually driving the cars um there's like a takeover thing all right uh tesla should make a vtol that would be a good use of their time uh question how will true level five deal with snow and driving rain it seems more impo- improbable the further the development cycle advances. It's a great point. I don't think they. I don't think we're there anytime soon. What do you think? You you drive around with? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's certainly feasible. Uh, like we, we humans drive in the snow, and it's difficult. It's, a lot of humans don't drive in the snow. Like they can't. Like they won't. They don't want to. Uh, and uh, understand why it can be more difficult if you're not used to it. But if uh, if you're used to it, if you have an AI that's used is trained for driving in the snow and they have the hardware uh, capable of of seeing it, which is mostly like like the front facing camera being behind the windshield is not too bad because as a human driver you have to clean the windshield too nonstop to be able to see. So the same thing for the camera here on the, on that front. But then on the side cameras and the rear camera, you need like a cleaning system to put it. So that the Cybertruck has that, for example, in the bumper camera, they have a little cleaner on this. Like if you have that on all the cameras around, uh, I don't see, and you have like a capable AI of seeing a speed that can understand how to drive in the snow. I don't see why it's not possible. It's just, I don't think Tesla can achieve it on the current uh, hardware that they have. So, which... I don't, I don't know how he not even ever, ever mentioned level five. Like he, he said like level five at, at one point about Outdoor 3. And it's, it's like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah. And it's going to take a lot longer to get to the, you know, you'll have like the, the good weather FSD working long before the, uh, the snowy weather FSD. I, th- I think sometimes, Elon, when he says like Outdoor 3, th- he thinks about like the computer, like the Outdoor 3 computer. And it's like, for us, like the hardware, like it's the entire hardware necessary to, to drive the car, like the cameras and all that. But he talks like, oh, yeah, yeah, hardware three computer could run the AI that 
powers the vehicles. Like maybe, I don't know, it's not right now, it's not powering an AI capable level four, so let alone level five, but um, yeah, I don't know. Such a mess. All right, the best part of the Macan is that the new design is EV only with no ice option. So marketing wise, it'll help Porsche buyers understand the transition to all electric is real. That's I a good believe, point. Yeah, I mean, they are continuing to sell the old uh, version, yeah. version uh, gas, the gas version for at least a, a little while longer. Um, all right, let's move on. We got a lot of uh, chatter here. Uh, that guy can't get into EVs, I think. Uh, Pulsar should have stayed have stayed the AMG of Volvo. The push to get new brands is the same push that led Genesis to try its to try to be its own brand. Um, I agree. So so Porsche or sorry, Volvo spun out and and IPO'd actually. Or was it a SPAC? I can't even remember. Pulsar. Yeah, uh, I don't remember it was a SPAC, but yeah, I, I think I think that was probably the main reason. Like they wanted they wanted that EV multiple on the market that they knew that they won't they wouldn't get out of Volvo. I think that's what they wanted. Uh, but but on the actual like if uh, like on the selling side, I, I think there's advantage to it. Like I think like if you have like an all electric, I, I think the rollout of Polestar was the best. Like they started off with the Polestar one and all that. Like I, I think they they kind of messed that up. Like they could have done that better. Uh, but it did make sense to me to have like their own brand uh, that's all electric versus their. Maybe they should have like just release electric vehicle on the Polestar brand and then keep Volvo. Like, but but then you don't want to Volvo to die a, as an ICE brand while electrification. Then you lose all the value of the Volvo brand. So yeah, I, there's there's benefits on each side. There's negative on each side. I think. I agree. Uh, so yeah. that's the end of our questions there. Yeah, thanks everyone for asking questions today. Thanks everyone for listening to the Electric Podcast. We appreciate every single one of you that does it. If you do enjoy the show, you want to help out uh, in quick ways that are free to do or clicking that like button, clicking that subscribe button, clicking that bell notification button to know when we're going live and when we're releasing new content on all our platform. So all these things help a lot. If you're listening on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star review, that helps a ton. Uh, we, we've been getting consistently into the top 10 automotive podcasts in the world. That's thanks to you guys and those five-star review helps a ton. So thank you, everyone. And we're going to see you same time, uh, same